0: Presented by Kaleida
1: Health.
2: Well, a happy Black Friday, everybody. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker here with you. One Bills Live is the program of choice. Thanks for joining us as uh, we motor into the holiday weekend. And for those of you enjoying another day off today, thanks for joining us. And uh, the Bills are on the practice field right now. There is good news and bad news concerning Buffalo's secondary And we'll get to that in just a second. First, we want to remind you that this week's game against the Eagles is presented by LECOM, your Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. We make doctors. So it is a Friday. You know what that means. The OBL Friday fan mailbag is open for your most pressing questions on the Bills, the NFL, maybe what you witnessed in the triple header of NFL games yesterday, which was a full nfc slate and i for one am going to vote can we not have only nfc teams on thanksgiving i realize that the lions and the cowboys kind of have the market cornered on thanksgiving you're always going to see them but somewhere can we mix in an afc team here or there six nfc teams i didn't even watch the night game i I couldn't do it it was too much it was rare for me but
0: i was
1: disinterested
2: yeah your mic's not on, Steve. Hang on a second. Steve basically said he is disinterested for the first time in a long time on Thanksgiving. So, I couldn't watch the night game. It was a good divisional matchup, Niners and Seahawks, but you know, as far as I was concerned, once the once the Niners kind of showed and demonstrated some measure of dominance over the Seahawks, I was like, "Well, I know where this game's going." Because I mean, What's his name? Geno Smith. He just flat out did not have it as far as I was concerned. You guys are very distracting as you're trying to fix Steve's microphone. Yeah. Are we plugged in now? Are we ready? I don't
0: know. Yeah. Why we were go. you disinterested? Tell me. I, well, you know how I feel about the NFC North. So the game started, the day started out with the Packers-Lions and the Lions and it's let me just say this: the whole world piled on my point of view after the fact when the Lions became ordinary, the Lions that we all know and hate and love. Uh, so the Packers come out and, and lump up the Lions, and then who? The Dallas Cowboys? Yeah, they're they're like six and one against. They've Team been playing the fourteen holy helpers for. Oh half my the gosh! Season. They're playing you know sisters Giants of the, twice. Sisters of the poor, you know. Little, you know, they're playing a country day school. They're playing all these teams that can't win a game, and they're just lumping them up. Washington being the the most recent, recent. and now Jack Del Rio, their defensive coordinator, got fired today. today after they've given up forty five <laughs> to Dak <laughs> <Thanksgiving>. Prescott. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> and then last, who played? La- I don't even know who played last night. Who was it? Seattle. Oh, Seattle and San, San Francisco. Fran. It's, they may as well be playing in Japan. I don't. even That's so far. <laughs> Well, you're halfway there if you're in. Seattle. I was I was like I I was disinterested. Yeah, which I, is unusual for me as you, you know. I mean, we're football, you know, our football. I was like, eh.
2: yeah, I I was done. I was I had eaten too much food. I was in a trip to fan coma. I was just like, yeah, I I can't do it. Can't do the third game. My my father-in-law likes watching football. He looks he looks at me. He's on one couch, I'm on the other. He goes, there's another game? Yeah. I was like, games. oh yeah, it's a triple header now on Thanksgiving. He goes, ah,
0: and he couldn't do it either. Now, today, I will be watching.
2: Yes, it does have an impact on Buffalo's outlook as far as the division is concerned. And
0: of course, as we all know, we are cheering for we are the Jets fans, today. Jet fans. We are cheering for the Jets fans.
2: And lo and behold, Tim Boyle is starting at quarterback for those New York Jets. They are at home at MetLife Stadium, and I'm (laughs) just going to say this. Having grown up in the New York metropolitan area, I can unequivocally tell you, Patriots' hatred aside, you know, with the Belichick, I'm coaching the Jets. No, I'm not. I'm going to New England. And that whole saga for the better part of the last 20 years, despite all of that, the number 1 hated team for Jets fans are the Miami Dolphins. Um, so they will be in full froth today at yeah. the beginning of the game, and then hopefully the Jets can give them something to stay in the game with. Yeah. And if that happens, you know, you know, maybe the Jets' defense goes to school on what the Bills did back in Week 4. Who knows?
0: I think it's only fitting that if we're all going to be Jet fans today, we should feel like them, and I do feel a sense of hopelessness. Um, <laughs> wow. About this game, <laughs> so I'm Steve I'm, coming out in full, like Yosemite Sam here, a,
1: guns
2: ablazing. I am
0: full. I am full jet mode today, feeling a sense of total, hey. total hollow.
2: I mean, you 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 make light of it, and you're you're being facetious. I get it, but at the same time, the Bills need some help here. Uh, the Dolphins are. Two games up on them in the loss column. Granted, there is a head-to-head that still exists at the end of the season.
0: Yeah, but well, yeah. you need you need the Dolphins to trip up here somewhere. That's right. I mean, they they you got to match them in the loss column and beat them at the end of the season on yeah. Week eighteen. That's that game is going to be a prime time game, I would think, of probably the the twelfth of the season for the Bills because it's to be it's TBD. We don't know when it's going to be played. So they'll call that game coming down the wire. I'm telling you, it's going to be, that's going to be a, a from this end of it, it, looks like it's going to be an, an absolutely gigantic game. Yeah. Because you've got to think that. Well,
2: well, let's hope we get there with that game meaning something. Because that will mean the Bills have climbed, back into, have climbed it. back into it. And the Dolphins have faltered a little bit. And I'll just say, the Dolphins offense has not looked the same the last couple of weeks. I mean, they gave the Raiders every opportunity to tie them at the end of the game at twenty, and the Raiders just kept puking on their shoes. Oh, the Raiders just couldn't do. The Raiders
0: treated it like the third helping of turkeys. Like, no, please, no, you take it. Yeah, right. So they didn't want that game.
2: Terrible. And, uh, yeah. So now we're so, and that this is the problem when you get yourself in a position where you're six and five and you need help. You're relying on teams like the Raiders and the Jets to do do you a solid and more often than not right. they disappoint you.
0: Right, which is why So
2: you just got to keep winning and hope that other team has a has a dog day. Right. And just you know, you serves got- up a win for somebody else.
0: Win your games, man. Win your games. The Bills are in a spot now where they're going to go into the NFC champions house and beat them to stay above 500 this late in the season. You got to you got to get within shouting match, a shouting range of the playoffs. You got the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Cowboys coming up. The Cowboys don't really scare me. And you have them here. And you've got them here. The on the road against the, the Super Bowl teams? Yeah, that's a that's a little bit of a task. Bro. You know. And you got the yeah, cuz the Cowboys are down there f- feasting on a bad division. You know the well they are. the Eagles and the Cowboys. The Eagles and the Cowboys are pretty good teams, but you know the Washington Commanders and the Giants are the Giants are in the middle of the rebuild, and they're still down to the studs of their house. So uh, you know I, the Bills are playing this another first place schedule, just getting crushed by that at this point of the season, uh, and they've dropped some games that we all have all seen that they shouldn't have dropped,
2: and that's probably the biggest difference I would say between the Bills and the Eagles this season, in particular. The Eagles haven't played their best for portions of the year either. They didn't play their best on Monday night. But they find ways to grind out wins. If, if, there are, if there is a major difference between Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen, I think we can all agree Josh Allen is more physically gifted than Jalen Hurts. But the more important thing here is how they play the quarterback position. At any point in time, Josh Allen can make an unbelievable play and help you win a football game. Jalen Hurts knows how to get games in the garage. Yeah, he doesn't do anything spectacular, but he doesn't
0: screw it up for you either. That's right. He and, is, and he's got a good roster around him too. Guys that can make some plays around him. He's got some guys, and so does their team, their whole team. So they were they were in the Super Bowl last year for a reason because they're really good and they close out games and they they don't flinch. Well coached, all that stuff coming down the stretch is important. Uh, but I'll say this: Joe Brady and what happened last week against the Jets give, should give you a reason. Like, oh, okay, their second, their, the Eagle secondary is banged up and not playing well. The Chiefs would have, should have, could have won the game last week without six drops. Drops that were it's like, what are you doing? Drops. Uh, so
2: sec- they lead
0: the league in drops right now. The they Chiefs do. But you're right, Brownie. Hurts and J- Josh leads the league in touchdowns. Hurts is number two. So you're going to see some points in this game. You're going to see some points yeah, I, in this game. I, I think we will. I think it'll be up
2: in the high 20s, low 30s. I don't know why, but I I just have that
0: feeling that we're going to see a little bit of back and forth in that game, which, you know. I think it'll be a one-possession game at the end, it, just like it always is. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, we'll we'll see. I that I got a lot of optimism that the Bills how the Bills are going to play and how they're going to play well. I think protecting Josh is paramount in this game. I think the Bills' offensive line is up to it. They've been playing good football. I thought I, last I, week was one of their best weeks of the season. I wonder about their ability to run the football as well as they've been running it. It's the number one run defense in football. Right. The Eagles. I, that's a that's a problem. Yeah, and we'll see.
2: But that's where I'm kind of thinking throwing to the backs again. Could double as your running game. Now, last week it was different. The backs ran routes to be a part of the pass game. That was kind of the wrinkle that Joe Brady threw in, along with a a lot of motion pre snap. What's the wrinkle this week? And, you know, if you cannot run the ball, I think throwing out of the backfield is something you can do to double as your run game, throwing a guy's coming out of the backfield. Maybe that's. Part of the equation this week. We'll have to wait and see. Practice updates presented by LECOM, your Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. First, uh, the bad news. Head coach Sean McDermott this morning on WGR ruled out cornerback Dane Jackson and safety Taylor Rapp for Sunday's game at the Eagles. We knew the secondary was banged up. They will be without those two players on Sunday. Dane Jackson, still in concussion protocol, clearly not going to get out by Sunday. Taylor Rapp, still dealing with the neck injury. According to Coach McDermott, he's better, but he's still feeling it. And it's hard to play a football game when your neck doesn't feel right. So those two guys will sit. So that presumably means that DeMar Hamlin is up this week. He He's usually inactive when all four safeties in front of him are healthy. So DeMar Hamlin will step up, take take on the uh fourth safety position cam lewis will probably be part of the dime package that taylor Rapp had been playing in because that's how the substitutions have worked when Rapp has been down at least how it's worked last week and dane jackson down means christian benford will line up opposite rasul douglas on the outside at corner and then who's backing them up (laughs) that's probably a practice squad call up now here's the catch if you call up Josh Norman, you have to put him on your 53-man roster right. because this is the fourth call-up or would be the fourth call-up if you call Norman up. You still have Jamarcus Ingram at your disposal to call up, who's been up once, at least once before, maybe twice. So you have room, wiggle room there. And then you also have Kyron Brown and Herb Miller, who are cornerbacks on your practice squad, who you could call up if necessary. I kind of tend to think in a game of this magnitude – You're probably calling up Ingram, who has time on the field in the regular season with these other guys on defense on the back end because you don't – Coach McDermott usually likes to go with what he knows, and he knows Ingram better on a regular season game field than he does those other two guys.
0: Yeah, I I think they'll do whatever gives them the best chance to win this game. Forget long term. Even if it means signing Josh Norman to the roster – I mean, it's, it isn't, you know, Pat Certain, you know. It's, no. So and you'd
2: have to move somebody off your roster. Yeah, but you could also
0: that. cut him after the game and well, then re sign him back. Right. I mean, you could do any of that stuff. You, nobody's going to sign Josh or maybe, you know, Josh knows. You're going to tell him, say, listen, we're going to put you up, then we're going to cut you so we don't, you know, because we can put, keep putting you up and down. Uh, so that doesn't scare me losing him. So I think they'll do whatever gives them the best chance to win this game. And if it is Josh Norman and using up that thing and using a 53-man roster... Yeah, and
2: we're not saying he's starting. Right. But here's the interesting thing, Steve. This past week against the Chiefs, without tight end Dallas Goddard, who also is largely expected to miss the game again this week after he fractured his forearm in Week 9, the Eagles played 11 snaps of 10 personnel. Four wide. So... That's on tape from last week. They're probably not going to have Goddard this week. So it, they're, it wouldn't shock me if they try to spread Buffalo's secondary even thinner than it already is.
0: Might do that. And I think it would. It might depend as well on how successful they were out of 10 personnel and how they look at the Chiefs' secondary as a comparison to Bill's secondary in the shape that it's in right now. Yeah. Will, they, will they get that matchup? Will that matchup? Deserve fifteen or twenty snaps, or five or six snaps, because of the right. everything else going on within. That's the that's when you get into the chess match of okay, what do you think they'll do? And they say, well, they didn't. You know, the the ten personnel was just okay. Maybe with another week under their belt, they'll feel better about it. And that's when you're, if you're the Bills defense, you're going. I don't know. They didn't do too well out of it. Yeah. You know, so I'm let's not let's not put our eggs into that basket. Nevertheless, you gotta have but guys out have there. Numbers. Yeah, you gotta have numbers. Um you gotta have numbers. And Goddard is the big question mark. If he he's not gonna play. I
2: yeah, I don't but think But that's so.
0: the thing that has really caused Philly to have to adjust on the fly and now defenses and it sounds easy. Yeah, taking a great player off their team obviously makes them worse. But you don't know how they're gonna adjust to that. Yeah. Are they going to go t- ten personnel all the time? Or are they going to because last week just... was the first game they played without him? Right. So these are you just or are you going to go ten personnel without him, or are you going to go a little bit of eleven or twelve? Or are you going to you know what do you, how are how they going to what are they going to do without this guy? So you got to figure that out. And that's you know that's part of why they spend you know sixteen hour days in here looking yeah. at film and studying how they were, how successful they were out of that ten personnel package.
2: Micah Hyde and Cam Lewis who have neck and shoulder injuries respectively, have been practicing on a limited basis all week. So the hope is maybe they can do a little bit more in practice today. We'll wait and see what the Friday injury report discloses on that front, as well as what their game status would be. The good news is Taron Johnson, who left last week's game with a head injury and was in concussion protocol, cleared concussion protocol. So he is expected to be available for Sunday's game. And that... Is certainly good news because I think you can make the argument, Steve, based on the position that he plays between him, Rap, and Dane Jackson. And no offense to those other two guys, he's far more indispensable than Dane Jackson and Taylor Rap right now, based on the role that he plays. Yeah. So absolutely. having him back is
0: absolutely huge. But he's a he. Yeah, he's key to their success, and it, and has been since he's stepped on the field. I mean, his ability to play nickel and I. It's interesting because most of the great corners coming out of college play outside corner cuz it's considered more difficult. But an inside corner, which is a nickel guy, who he's the guy that always grabs the slot guy, kind of lines up head to head on him. And he's the what used to be called the fifth defensive back, which is why they call it nickel, 5 DBs. So the nickel guy comes in and you don't he's usually the third corner. Well, Sort of now in this day and age, because everybody runs three wides, and Taron has proven himself. He's not a number one draft pick, but it's a skill set because he's scrappy and he weighs a buck ninety, so he's got a little bit of a little bit of girth that he can go in and he sticks his nose in the run game. He's good in space in those tight spaces or the where the guy where the running back or the t- the slot receiver can go inside or outside release inside or outside if you play outside corner you've got the boundary to help you kind of funnel the guy to where he can't move when you're the slot guy there is none of that so they have to have a special skill set and you don't get that practice in college so Taryn if if they knew Taryn johnson was going to be the kind of player he is he doesn't go in what the fourth round? fourth round he does not last until the fourth round he's gone but because it's a unique skill set that sometimes gets overlooked or not really exploited in the college ranks, you come to the pros and say, hey, look at this guy. Yeah. And he, you know, he signs an extension, he's in his second contract, and he's <laughs> crucial. hmm So he's and you hear it. I mean, we'll have Greg Cosell on today, the show today. Oh, he, he loves Taryn. Oh, he's he is up. all over Taryn. He thinks Terran is the key element to having them be a top five defense.
2: Uh, the coach McDermott did provide an update on tight end Dawson Knox, who is on injured reserve. He has already been there for the minimum of four games, which is when you're put on IR, you're gonna miss at least four games before you can come back to the active roster. Coach McDermott said earlier this week that he is not ready to return to the active roster and play. (coughs) Excuse me. So he was asked today how likely is it that Dawson Knox is ready to come back to the active roster after the bye week, which would be Kansas City week, in week 14. And Coach McDermott said, I'm hopeful, but we're not certain. So they really have to see how his rehabilitation of that risk progresses over the next two weeks before they can make an accurate determination as to whether or not he would be fit to play. So hopeful, but not certain were the words that Coach McDermott used on that front quickly around the NFL. And there is Eagles news today. They are waving former first round defensive end Derek Barnett and around the NFL is presented by Kaleida health, the official healthcare system of the Buffalo bills. Hard to say why this move was being made. Maybe they have some younger players. They want to get more time in the rotation, but Barnett who had some productive seasons for the Eagles is essentially a backup player. Now behind Hassan Reddick, uh, and some other pass rushers on the squad. So essentially what you have is a guy that's a backup. Obviously they felt he was not performing uh, at a level that they felt was suitable. And so I don't know, maybe this means Nolan Smith, one of their rookie draft choices out a Georgia gets more time on the pass rush. Uh, he's Hassan Reddick's backup right now, but it's Brandon Graham on the other side. So, Maybe maybe this means more time for him. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but yeah, so Derek Barnett no longer on the Eagles roster going into this weekend.
0: Uh, Nolan Smith was is big, right? I mean, he was a really he's good long guy. and yeah, lanky. he's got a he's long, like he six a really... three,
2: two thirty five. Yeah, really athletic player as most of them are coming out of Georgia. Yeah. Um, I would anticipate he gets a little more time in the rotation now with Barnett no longer on the roster. Steve already talked about the Dolphins-Jets game, the first ever Black Friday game, kickoff at 3 p.m. And if you're a Bills fan, you are a Jets fan today because you need the Dolphins to lose. Uh, Steve, I was completely unaware of this until I was watching the Cowboys game yesterday. Deron Bland set an NFL record with his fifth interception return for a touchdown this season. Yeah. Some people don't come in with a sniff of that in their entire career. He has more. How astronomical is that?
0: He has more touchdowns this season than the Patriot wide receiver core combined. Oh, dear Lord. And he plays cornerback.
2: Wow. He's all over it. There's got to be a degree of luck. A little. To, you know what I mean? But five and one, nobody's touching that. Yeah. That that record, I mean, Steve, the, the odds of that happening again in a single season, I mean, that's like Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak. Yeah. Nobody's touching bit. that. A little bit. Nobody is touching that.
0: That's, that's big. I remember they used to, they had, uh, when, when, uh, Back, way back in the day, uh, what was the cornerback's name for the Raiders? Had 16 interceptions in the season or something? Um, it
2: wasn't Lester Hayes? Lester Hayes. Oh,
0: and the and everybody said, "Wow, that's unbelievable!" And and the reason was because he had Mike Haynes on the other side. Nobody yeah. could even throw over there, so he kept getting fed these passes. And they were playing that man-to-man defense, and and the they were calling it. You always have one of these games that kind of drops out of the f- statistical heaven. They, and he's not done. They got like six games. Like, I know. Like he's doing it every other game. It's it's nuts. And this was the guy
2: that used to be their nickel corner, and then Trayvon Diggs goes out with a season ending injury. There's, and they move him outside, and he takes off. It's. It, I, there's a lot in that. I don't think anybody's touching that record. That you is got
0: you got a, an offense is playing pretty well. A soft schedule, bad quarterbacks. Oh yeah. And your and your your offense is playing actually pretty well. And, you know, you keep getting thrown at. That's, it's unbelievable. Cause he's, he, every time you turn around, he's doing it. Yeah. I, good for him. I though. don't
2: know how anybody's touching that That's record. That's awesome. It is just, to me, I'd love to have, you know, a math expert like run the numbers on how astronomically rare that is cuz it seemed it, it would seem to me that you're in the you're in the millions in terms of the odds God, of somebody pulling that off again in a single season five times yeah like as that's pretty cool it seems extraordinarily rare to yeah. me and i i don't
0: think anybody's going to top that for a long 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 time i don't know never say never but perhaps there's it's interesting too cuz we're sitting here On a holiday weekend, and this game is going to kick off at 3 o'clock, so we're like an hour and a half away. So they're on the field over in New York at MetLife. The early outs are starting to come out on the field. Alan Lazard, you know, the guy that they signed because he was buddies with Aaron Rodgers, he's getting benched after signing a $44 million contract.
2: He's been dealing with a knee injury, apparently, a nagging knee problem that he's been
0: playing through. And he also dropped his seventh pass of the season this Mm. last week against the Bills. Yeah. Um, that's a huge miss for them. 20 catches this
2: year. Last note from around the NFL, Patriots head coach Bill Belichick declined to announce who his starting quarterback will be this Sunday in the barn burner matchup of the week against the Giants. Good Lord. Good Lord. That's a game that's going to be aired on television, Steve.
0: That game's going to be 4-2. to two.
2: Three safeties. Yeah. Wow. Four
0: to two. I'm calling it. Okay. We'll put it on the whiteboard. We'll see how you
2: make out on Monday. The game's going to be four to two. Uh, it is OVL Friday fan mailbag. So if you have a question, fire it off at us. We're happy to answer it at 803 0550, 1 550 2550. Going to go to the phones and lead off with Kevin in Hamburg. What do you got for us, Kevin?
1: Hey, guys. How you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Sure, we'll sure. Be right. a nice Thanksgiving. Yeah, to you too. Um, I think the biggest thing in this game, besides our banged-up secondary, is that deep offensive line against our defensive line. Because last week, and even when we lost to the Jets the first week, we they were their offensive line throughout the season has been a bunch of matadors, pretty much ole right to the quarterback, whoever it is, even last week against us. But now we're playing an offensive line that's not a bunch of manadors. But chasing Kelsey and especially Lane Johnson, the other guy, but especially those main two brutes, they're going to, they're the ones I think are going to give us probably one of the biggest tests of the season, probably compared to even games in the past or in the future. Because you don't win the Philly tush push with a stinky offensive line. So I think beside her, that's going to be whoever wins that fight. Is probably going to win the game, so I'll get off and let you guys talk. Right.
2: Yeah, thanks, Kevin. I, 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 I was it was funny. I came out of that Kansas City game. And I'm watching that Eagles' o line. They struggled at times against that Chiefs front. And granted, Steve Spagnuolo was throwing the kitchen sink at them in terms of pressure looks, blitzes, and things of that nature.
0: But yeah, they got some. They, they got home.
2: They they got pressure on Hertz. Um, he was only sacked once, I believe, but got pressured a good bunch. And, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like that old line is starting to look a little old. I mean, Kelsey's 36, Lane Johnson's 34. They're, they're starting to show their age a little bit. And as you get longer and longer into a season that takes more and more of a cumulative toll. I'm not saying they can't play. They're a good offensive line. I just don't know if they're quite as dominant as they've been the previous yeah. couple of years. So,
0: well, the Chiefs. The Chiefs got Chris Jones had two sacks last week. McDuffie had two sacks last oh, week. Oh, that's right. I've got it flipped around. Carl Loftus had a sack last week. So they they sacked him five times. Right.
2: For, Mahomes only got sacked
0: once. I had yes, it Mahomes had only had yeah one sack. So those guys, yeah, Chris Jones was. Crushing those guys up front. Yeah, um, it'll be an interesting battle. Very interesting. The, the Bills, we all know, the Bills are tough. Man, they are a good team. They got they've got depth that's been tested, no question. But they're starting to find their level. And I think the spark that Joe Brady gave them on offense, a new look, new you know refurbished attitude, is exactly what you need going on the road. That's going to be a tough road game. But I think this is going to be a really, really. I think it's going to be a heavyweight bout, um, and I like our fronts against both their fronts. Not, I'm not saying we're better on both fronts. I'm saying we can hang in there with these fronts. I don't think we're overmatched on either side of the ball up front. I think the Bills' offensive line has been highly overlooked and underrated. I think this year, they've got the same five guys starting every week. They've stayed healthy. They're getting better. Osiris Torrance has played very well as a rookie coming in there. Uh, And they've all had their moments, no question. Spencer Brown's having his best season as a pro. Uh, They're going to be tested this week because the the Eagles have athletes and big dudes who are athletic up front on their defensive line. So it's going to be a test. But that's why he brought in McGovern, and that's why he got in Osiris. Two big guards who can kind of hang in there and – and bolster your front and hold the hold the line. It's going to be a really good game.
1: Yeah.
0: As these teams came into the season with a lot of expectations and they've proven they're worth it, but the Bills it's been, you know, they haven't won all of those close games like the Eagles have and that that speaks to the seasoning that the Eagles have had in the playoffs and that kind of thing. So we'll see. But I'm you're right Kevin from Hamburg. I up front, I think the Bills are going to get tested like they haven't been, but so were the Eagles in my opinion
2: break time for us here when we come back we've got more of your phone calls so if you're holding at 803-0550 stay where you are and we'll also have the latest edition of excuse me mr tasker we'll see what story steve's got for us next here on one bills live presented by Collider Health. it's buffalo bills radio Welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Time now for Excuse Me, Mr. Tasker, presented by Total Sports Enterprises, an official sports memorabilia partner of the Buffalo Bills. We solicited fans to submit their questions or their requests for a story from Wall of Famer Steve Tasker. Winners selected at random will receive a premium mystery box of signed items. This could be a Bruce Smith signed photo or a Stephon Diggs signed jersey or even a signed Jim Kelly replica helmet. Rules do apply Visit buffalobills.com slash TSE Tasker for more information. And this week's question comes from Trevor, who says, Hello, Steve. Do you have any scars from all the punts you blocked
0: and big collisions that you had um, while you were playing? Absolutely, yeah. I uh, Not from blocking punts, although I did have a nice little bruise after one or two of them, uh, but... You know the thing that happened to me a lot was when I played uh, your because the the game is played with your hands these. You know it used to be back in the days guys would have pads all the way up their arms. You know all the old Raider offensive linemen, defensive players, Jack Lambert that have forearm pads. Nobody wears those today because the game is played with your hands now. My hands got broken ten times, mm. maybe more. I
2: like busted fingers and stuff. But
0: broken fingers, broken knuckles, back in my hand. This thumb was broken twice. Still isn't quite right. The tips of your fingers, you know, the top knuckle gets, you know, the, snapped. Right, and, it, and my finger got caught in, you know, my finger gets caught in Dion's jersey, snapped. You know, you tape it and you go. So my hands have been broken double digit times. Um, my forearm got broken making a tackle when one of our my own players hit me. Um, I remember you had a foot problem late in your career. Got a Liz Frank sprain from getting my my foot. I was up on my toes and a guy falls on your heel and your foot buckles in the middle, and that's a a Liz Frank sprain. Uh, My knees, I've I've had four minor operation scopes on my right knee and one on my left. Uh, The most painful injury I ever had, and I still have a scar from it, was when Quinn Early, we were playing in New England. I was playing wide receiver as 95 or 97, I don't know when it was. Quinn got caught a ball, got spun around, swung around like a, he you know, just swung like a like throwing a bag of feed up into the back of the truck. He got yeah. swung and his cleats raked across my shin all the way to the bone. Oh. And that's the only time I couldn't cope with the pain. I thought I I just kill me now. Wow. T- take me now. Take me now, Lord. Take me now. I was on Even the with
2: f- your socks on, it went right through and, your yep, sock, right and, through your flesh. And so
0: I was on the sidelines just so happens the Monday night It was Monday night football, and the, the camera went down and showed me on the sideline. And whatever I was doing, that's the only time my wife s- said, I was really worried about you. Because that's the only time when she had – because I come off the field, and we're at a home game, and the fam- family's in the stands, and I just point to my finger, and I just give her the – it's broke right here. I just, just let her know because yeah. she wanted to know why were you why did you stay down why did you do this she goes you you she says don't you ever not give us a look up in the after you get hurt don't you ever not give us yeah, the yeah. I'm okay sign or whatever so there was a lot of that going on and I I tell you this all the time the most underrated aspect of what it takes to be a professional football player is the the toll. But it takes on your body, and how difficult it is to prepare yourself mentally to get hurt, when you kind of feel like you're going to get hurt. Um, every game is a risk, and that more than anything is what wears on a player's ability to prepare. There were, you know, off seasons when I couldn't train as hard as I wanted to because you got, I mean, you know, I've had my shoulder worked on, your knees were, you can't train hard. Because you can't, your body won't allow you to, you know, you can't bench or you can't lift, you can't do chin-up, you can't do squat, whatever. You can't lift hard or run hard or do this stuff at a high-intensity level because you've got all this, these hurts. And um, when you can't prepare, prepare hard, you can't play hard and you can't play well. And knowing that is the most difficult thing about being a pro football player is the physical toll it takes on you and your ability to prepare well. And I think that, as much as anything, contributes to guys You say, oh, listen, I've had it, man. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm retired. That's what caused me to retire. But, yeah, I have scars everywhere. Yeah. Both it, from surgeries and from injuries. It's a collision sport. We know yeah, that. it is. It's and not a
2: contact sport. It's a collision sport.
0: And I think the league has started to embrace the fact that they need to protect players from that. Because, you know, I'm one of those guys. I was getting shot up to, to practice was during Super Bowl. It wasn't just for like a preseason game. It was yeah. for the Super Bowl. I was getting shot up so I could practice and help guys, other guys prepare. So you really have that mentality that you'll do anything to play. So the – and the clubs nowadays, particularly here in this building, they're saying – like Taylor Rapp is probably sitting there going, I feel like I could go. And they're going, yeah, you know you're not. Yeah. yeah we're how about we like, wait a week? They, I think it's really something the league has done a much, much better job with is protecting players from themselves. I know I needed it. Yeah.
2: All right. Well, that is. Excuse me, Mister Tasker. Congrats to Trevor, who will be getting that mystery box from TSE. We got to get to the phones here on an Obl Fan Friday, and we'll go to Judy in Buffalo next. What do you got, Judy?
3: <clears throat> well, you know, I think our only hope is I think the the Eagles' defensive secondary is suspect. Now, even if they can control Diggs and Shakir and Kincaid, I'm looking for a big game from Gabe Davis. So I I think they have to look at him, and maybe he could make the difference in this game.
2: Okay, so you're counting on Gabe uh, to kind of be the forgotten man by the Eagles' defense. And look, the Eagles' defense has had problems this year. They've given up 21 passing touchdowns in 10 games. It's the third most in football. So they have been victimized on a pretty regular basis. Now, that being said, it looks like they're starting to tie some things together and get the new mix kind of all on the same page. Because Bradley Roby had to fill in for Avante Maddox at nickel corner, and then he was hurting out of the lineup. He's just come back. He had a red zone takeaway last week. And Kevin Byard, who they acquired from the Tennessee Titans in a trade at the deadline, is now playing safety. He had a red zone takeaway last week against the Chiefs. Those two takeaways were instrumental in Philly pulling off that road victory at Kansas City last week. And so the general consensus, at least in Philadelphia, is, oh, the is starting to round into form. They're not going to make as many mistakes. They're not going to have as many blown coverages, and they're going to play better. I don't know if they have it all tied up in a bow yet. So Buffalo should try to take advantage there, especially knowing – as we mentioned earlier, the Eagles have the number one run defense in football.
0: It's it's probably a good guess, too, Judy, that if you're looking at the Bills receiving corners, Gabe Davis, like he didn't have a single target or catch last week. So it's like, okay, let's, let's double team or guard or make sure we have it tied up. On the list of priorities, it probably goes Diggs, Kincaid, Shakir, Cook, or Cook-Shakir, whichever you want to go. And it's like Gabe Davis was whoever's left over gets Gabe kind of – that's the priority list because they're not throwing him the football. So that's probably a good guess. So if Gabe can make Hay as being the fourth priority or fifth priority on a Phillies defensive priority list, he may have a big game. Uh, certainly he's not number one on their list. You'd have to put Diggs there and then Kincaid or vice versa even. So, yeah, Gabe having a big day would be what the Eagles would say, okay, if you're going to beat us with Gabe Davis, a guy who didn't have a catch or a target a week ago, bless your heart. Go ahead. We'll see if you can do it.
2: We have to take a break here, but Jeff in New York, Doug in Rochester, Jay on a cell, hang tight. We'll get to you when we return as we're taking more of your phone calls here on an OBL Friday fan mailbag on One Bills Live presented by Kaleida Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. It's another giveaway week. Enter for your chance to win a signed Rasul Douglas football at buffalobills.com slash giveaway. It's presented by Ticketmaster. Hop online and enter for your chance to win. We go right back to the phones and to Jeff in New York next. What do you got for us, Jeff?
3: Hey everybody, uh, love the show, hope you had a relaxing Thanksgiving, thanks for taking my call.
2: Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh,
4: yeah, you know, I, I've seen him for years play, and uh, Leonard Fournette, I went, how and when do you think we could start building him into our offense, because he's definitely a powerhouse out there when he's on, so I'm curious your thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, um, it's hard to say right now, and with the performance that Ty Johnson had last week, I think he's going to stay right where he is. Um Ty Johnson was impressive last week against the Jets. I think he runs with power. He has burst. And uh, if he can show that he can hold up in pass protection and pick up a blitz, too, he might be able to carve a rollout
0: for himself yeah. in this offense I don't, going forward. If they can keep winning games without him, I want to keep doing that. And then I want him to get late in the season when they need a little fresh and then plug him in like for... New England, Miami, and then the playoffs and change up a little bit. Give them a little boost of energy when they need it, when they want to crescendo through the playoffs. And just use him like his nickname, Playoff Lenny.
2: Yeah, right um, now he's in insurance policy. right?
0: Yes, right now he's in insurance policy. I think that's in best case scenario. You win enough games to get in either of the division or get in as a wild card, whatever it is, and then – when everything, when you need guys to, when you need somebody to be a hammer and it some fresh legs and a little boost to your offense, then you plug him in. Then you plug him in. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But that's best case scenario. Obviously, yeah. worst case is he's, you know, you, you got to play him because somebody goes down or whatever. Yeah, which is why he's on the practice squad. He's an in insurance policy
2: right now and a pretty dang good one. Let's go to Jay on a cell next. What do you got for us, Jay?
3: Hi, guys. How, how was your uh, holiday?
2: Really good, awesome. thanks. Hopes you were, hope yours was good, too.
3: It was very good. Hey, I think the Bills will win in a tight one against Philadelphia, uh, but my issue is when I heard you before say that Belichick wasn't naming his starting quarterback, Yeah, I'm curious as to why the league wants people to name starting quarterbacks. I always thought it was because of uh, the betting lines.
2: Um, I don't know if that's the main
0: reason why, and, and I don't think you necessarily uh, – it's not mandated. It's not it? mandated. It's not you don't mandated. have to say anything. You can you can tell them whatever. You can lie to them if you want. Um, it doesn't matter. It's just mo- customary more than anything, and particularly when you've got I, – I, I think you got the same 20 guys who cover the team every day, they're there, and you – you know they got to ask you know, who's playing, who's playing in this game, and it's the most important position. And I, for most teams, it's a given. I mean, nobody's asking Sean McDermott who's starting quarterback for the Bills. Uh, but when you get a team that struggles, first thing you're, hey, you're making a. Job. What's going on here? Who's going to play? It's an obvious question, and for a team with its back against the wall, who's desperate. They, don't, they want every small, teeny-tiny advantage they can get. And by not telling them who the quarterback is, maybe the other team wastes a little time fooling around with different game plans they think the Patriots might run, given on who's playing quarterback.
2: And, yeah, they've been bringing in Bailey Zappi, I think, three of the last four weeks due to poor play at the position. And so with that juggling of the roster at that position during games, it's prompted the question even more in New England. I think people are ready to write the epitaph on Mac Jones' career in New England faster than anything else. So it it's a it's a pertinent question. It's a topical question. Belichick chooses not to answer and he's got every right not to because there is no real mandate to do that. Let's go to Max in Buffalo next. What do you got, Max?
3: Uh
1: yeah, I was just wondering if you guys kinda of felt
3: like, you know, every time like Chris you were just saying that the Eagles have led up 21 touchdowns over the last 10 games. You know, um, it just seems like with those statistics, every time the Bills face a team, that they really just somehow are turning it around, or that just doesn't seem to be the case at that point. I don't know if you kind of see it similar.
1: Um, I,
2: I think you can find a couple of examples like that, Max, and thanks for the call. I would say Denver was starting to hit their stride when Buffalo played them and so that was a much tougher game than maybe it appeared on the schedule when it first came out. Jacksonville had started to hit their stride, entering week five after being a little up and down in the first couple of weeks of the season. The Jets certainly were not last week. They, they were fumbling around, having a tough time just scoring a touchdown. So I wouldn't put them in that category. You could argue that maybe the Eagles' secondary is rounding into form, as we mentioned last segment. So maybe if you feel like that team is hitting its stride from that individual part of their team, I might be inclined to agree with you. So the you know who knows where the Chiefs are going to be in two weeks, but they certainly aren't playing their best football right now. But as we know, it's a week-to-week league. A lot can change in a couple of weeks right, right. by the time they play them. Um, the Eagles also had the benefit of a bye week going into that Chiefs game, and they tried some different stuff on defense and on offense. and. We'll actually hear from Greg Cosell on that very subject when he joins us in hour number two. But, yeah, I mean, you can always find a couple examples catching, the team, catching an opponent at the wrong time. They're riding high, and you're not. You know, the, the Bills went six weeks without an interception, and then Rasul Douglas gets two. You know? Yeah. So you just never know.
0: Yeah, it's every team will have rhetoric coming out of their city about how they're fixing what's wrong. Or you know, but let's face it. If if you're going to face Philly, it's better to face them now with Dallas Goddard on the sideline. Yeah, I mean that's a plus for the Bills uh, defensively. Uh, they're always going to be spinning it positive. You know, the Bills are the Bills do it, the Jets do it. Every team is working on fixing everything that's wrong with them all the time. So when you go after after the game, when things go well. Or if they don't, you can go back to that rhetoric and say, yeah, well, they were right. You know, they were getting it together. They did fix it. They did – you know, the offensive coordinator was a problem. This wide receiver being hurt was a problem. They got him healthy. Or this – you know, they just played better. So uh, that's just the nature of the rhetoric that comes out of every NFL team, not so much uh, anything tangible that would happen because the Bills are playing a team that's getting it together time after time after time. It's just the rhetoric that comes out of every squad – Coming into every week, Bills are no different this week. You know they feel like, hey, we're on the crescendo now. We're you know we got this coordinator. We're hit. yep, yep, the yep. running backs, they're up, they're up, they're up, all the stuff that's coming out. The Phillies probably saying, wow, now how about us facing the Bills? Now they're getting it together. They were struggling. Now they're coming out scoring thirty-two points on a defense like the Jets. What are we going to do? It's that kind of thing for them as well.
2: Yeah. Break time for us here, but when we come back, we're going to talk Bills Eagles. With our weekly visitor on Fridays, it's Greg Cosell, senior producer from NFL Films, co-host of ESPN's NFL Matchup Show, joining us next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio.
0: One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health.
2: All right, hour number two on a Friday means only one thing. Senior producer from NFL Films, Greg Cosell, joining us, and Greg's appearance on the show is presented by Scott Lawnyard, an official commercial site work partner of the Buffalo Bills. And this one's a biggie for the Bills this week. As we know, not a lot of wiggle room for them at six and five on the season. Meanwhile, the Eagles riding high at nine and one, best record in the league. And the Bills have to play him on the road, where Buffalo has only one victory this season. Pretty crazy uh, how lopsided it's been between road and home. Greg, hope you had a good turkey day. You might even still be uh, burning off some of those calories you consumed yesterday. How much? How much pie did we down yesterday, Greg? Because I you know, I held up my end of the bargain. Are you not a pie guy?
4: I do like pie, but you know, I was good yesterday. I did not overeat. I know most people yeah. you know do that on Thanksgiving. I, I, I didn't really overeat, so I, I felt pretty good about it. All right, you're a better home You're a totally better man stuffed. than me. Yeah, I'm a big yeah. I'm a big
0: overeater guy and big <laughs> big Yeah. And and also, you know, the obligatory nap on the couch and you know, I'm do I do the whole thing. I am stereotypical old man. I'm just like eat and sleep. That's good. Well, there you go.
4: There you go. Yeah. yeah. No, and then
0: wow. sneak, then sneak ice cream the rest of the night. Wow. So, yeah. You so are I'm, bad. Oh,
4: Now there you go. I, I am, like that. I am an so absolutely. has got all beat. Apparently, I
0: okay. am absolutely an unapologetic, old man. Okay. Let's well, go.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: Steve is a foodie. There's
2: no doubt about it. Uh, let's begin here, Greg. Uh, we see the Bills with a get-right performance, first game with Joe yeah. Brady. And probably the two biggest wrinkles that we pulled out of the game, more pre-snap motion than we have seen from the Bills all season. It was Without motion question. with a purpose. And then second, they used the backs in the passing game and not just as a check-down check option. There were designed routes for the backs in this game, something we also haven't seen a whole lot of previously. What were your thoughts?
4: Yeah, I mean, those two things stood out. If you had asked me the question, what did I see? I would have said those two things. Um, You know, I think the motion is important, uh, and we'll see if they continue to do it. Um, We have spoken numerous times about Cook and his ability as a receiver. Um, Obviously, Ty Johnson. I remember doing Ty Johnson when he came out of Maryland. I think it it has to be four or five years ago because he's been around the league and I thought he was a pretty dynamic player. You know, obviously, not a feature back, but a guy that could give an offense, uh, you know, some some complementary work as both a, a a runner and as a receiver. Um, obviously, when you hit an eighty-one yard touchdown, like we're looking at now, that changes things as well. Um, but you know, the other thing that that I I felt like I noticed, and again, it's it's just one game, and I'm not saying it never happened. Obviously, it did happen under Ken Dorsey, but I think. I felt like I saw route concepts and combinations and again, it's a division opponent, so they know them well route combinations that really presented primary read availability for Josh Allen. And I think that's one thing you're really trying to work toward more of, you know, we get wrapped up in the fact that he is as special as they come when it comes to those out of structure, secondary action movement plays, and he may need some of those this week, who knows, but You know, I think you really have to work toward your passing game being structured, where he can drop back, hit that back foot, and deliver the football. I mean, a great example of that to me was the 27-yarder to Shakir, Uh, not the 81-yarder, which obviously was a big, big big-time throw, but the 27-yarder to Shakir, where they basically ran a high-low on both sides, and it really presented a a clean throwing opportunity within timing and structure. And I think you really want to work toward that because you can't live on Josh. You know, you know it's easy to say, "Well, we're always going to be competitive because we have Josh Allen." You know, what does that mean? You know, what is you you is he, you're going to expect him to just be Superman every week? Sometimes you have to just make plays within the structure and 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 be in a system that that's effective. This uh, this changeover
0: in offensive of coordinators, you know, you always get a little boost from it, and. Yep. Is there some tangible stuff? Because, listen, and I was going to ask you this as well. The Bills do need to play more consistently offensively, particularly in the turnover margin. But also, this game this week, this may be as deep a roster as they've faced
4: all year. Is that accurate? Yeah. Oh, the Eagles are, are a really good team. Now, one area where the Eagles have struggled um and uh, – at times has been in their secondary and now there have been games where that's been compensated and camouflaged by the fact that they have a great pass rush and a tremendous defensive line rotation and that could be an issue in this game Um, because Hassan Reddick, he comes from the left side I would imagine he'll cause Spencer Brown problems at times the question is, what does that mean for the Bills? Does that mean chips? Does that mean formation looks that try to eliminate that? But keep one thing in mind as good as Reddick is, Josh Schwett from the other side actually has more quarterback pressures. Josh Schwett is their best overall defensive lineman. So, you know, that's a potential issue as well. But in the secondary, last week the, they made a change that. Probably was a very smart one, given that I watch the Eagles every week, uh, because James Bradbury has not played particularly well this year. So last week, they made Darius Slay their boundary corner every snap, and and um, uh, they made Bradbury the field corner, whereas prior to that, they were playing sides. And Bradbury was getting burned a little too much. So they made that change because the boundary corner ends up playing more man to man coverage, even if it's a zone concept. So Slade became the boundary corner a week ago. I would assume they'd stay with that. And we saw Bayard
2: and Roby get red zone takeaways last week against the Chiefs. And Bayard was on Kelsey for a part of that game as well, matchup wise would you anticipate he draws Kincaid as an assignment as well in this week's matchup?
4: Absolutely. Cause Bayard's done that his whole career when he was with Tennessee, when they played the chiefs, he would always match up to Kelsey. Um, You know, he's a tight end matchup. That's what he's been his whole career. He will get Kincaid when they choose to play man and the Eagles play a pretty good amount of man coverage. Um, You know, they're in the top 10 in the league in the amount of man coverage they play. So they will play man. Um, So now the question becomes the route concepts to attack and defeat man, uh, which I think they're going to need to do. Um, You know, I also look last week's game was such that they could stay with the run game because they got ahead. And the only way you lose and we're just being honest, the only way you lose to the Jets or allow them to stay in a game with Zach Wilson at quarterback is if you turn it over. So they were going to stay with the run game. This week will likely be different. The Eagles will score. So I'm very curious to see, you know, what uh, Joe Brady does, you know, from an offensive perspective, whether he thinks, okay, we have to put this game in Josh's hands or whether if it's relatively close, you know, if the the Eagles don't run away with it, let's say, if he feels, hey, we can run the ball a bit and we can stay, you know, balanced, whatever that means for for each team, but somewhat balanced.
0: So you got this team uh, with a, Joe Brady offense, and that's the kind of the decision you got to make. How are you going to play it? You've got to kind yeah. of keep abreast of them. Jalen Hurst has got like twenty four total touchdowns on the year. Josh has got twenty eight. They're one and two in the league. You do expect this game. I mean, you are going to have to keep up on the scoreboard, right? It's not going to be like a, a six to three matchup, right? On this, these teams are going to no, no, and,
4: and just Steve. I think you guys would agree because of the, the Bills on defense with the injuries they've had. You know, it's it's you know, you hope they play really well, but they're not likely to hold the Eagles totally down. Um, The Eagles have great weapons on the perimeter in A.J. Brown, who's certainly a top three, top five receiver in this league. Devonta Smith is really good. Obviously, Goddard's not going to play, so he's a top tight end. But, um, you know, the Eagles have a lot of weapons. Um, They have a really good offensive system. Um, So, you know, Hertz is an interesting guy because he's obviously very, very good. Um, but they run a really good system as well that presents a lot of clean looks for him, and he just he executes at a high level, um, and and he gives you second reaction ability. So you know, in many ways, it's 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 tough in in a number of areas when you play the Eagles because Hertz can make those special plays that Josh can, um as we're seeing right here. Uh, but he also can run the system really effectively, and that's that's. The way he's grown as a quarterback to the point where he's one of the higher level quarterbacks in the league. Without Goddard last
2: week, we saw the Eagles dip their toe into some four wide looks, you know, going to yeah. personnel a little bit. Should we, especially knowing that the Bill's secondary is going to be a little shorthanded uh because Taylor Rapp and Dane Jackson have already been ruled out of this game, should Ooh. should we should we expect to see more four wide looks from the Eagles to try to try to spread that secondary thin?
4: Yeah, I would expect that, especially with the quality of their O-line. Um, I think that they always feel like they can protect Brownie. You know, they got arguably the best O-line in the league, and I don't think they view protection against any opponent as a problem. So I would think that you will see four wide. Um you know, Julio Jones is there. He's not what he was, obviously, but he doesn't need to be. They're not going to play him 60 snaps in the game. So I think last week they played 11 snaps out of 10 personnel, one back four wide. I would expect uh, a number in that range, and it would not surprise me if Julio Jones gets a few more targets this week.
0: As you mentioned, they, they're so deep at their defensive line. They've got that huge rotation. They actually... yeah. They released Derek Barnett today. It didn't I guess he was not playing very much? Give us a little not at insight. All. He's
4: maybe getting twelve snaps a game, maybe
0: right. Give me, give us an insight as to their defensive line. What makes it? Who are the you know uh, who plays with who? I mean, those guys are big, young, athletic. I mean, they're they
4: got some horses over there. They do. They play a ton, Steve, of five man fronts. Um, now they'll play four man fronts as well, obviously, but their their foundation is the five man front. Sweat and uh, Reddick are usually on the edge. Um, Fletcher Cox and Milton Williams is a name. Uh, I know you guys are familiar with him because you're playing the Eagles this week. But he's had a phenomenal season. Um, he is really good inside, kind of playing that five technique, that four I. Um, and then Jordan Davis is a load right in the middle. He's really good in the run game. Um, not a great pass rusher yet, but He is a big, big body with strength and power in the middle of that defense. And Fletcher Cox is still playing, you know, at a pretty high level and playing a lot of snaps. Uh, You know, I think most of us thought going into this season, at his age, he would not be playing this number of snaps on a weekly basis. But he is, and he's played well. But Sweat is is a big time all around D. N. He's he's their best overall D lineman. um, But Reddick is just. He's an explosive explosive edge rusher and I think that's one matchup with Brown that it'll be interesting to see how the uh the Bills deal with it. You know, you can deal with it too by the nature of your your passing game, but it will get to be third and long. So then you'll then you'll find out how they really want to deal with it.
2: Yeah, it'll be really right. interesting to see what the final Eagles injury report reveals cuz Milton Williams has been in concussion protocol all week and he hasn't pl- hasn't practiced. So that's right. That yeah uh, yeah,
4: and so, he's played really well for them. Brian. Yeah no, I mean, I mean
2: he definitely flashed last week against the Chiefs. I noticed him yeah. uh, right well, away. Well, he can't
4: go if he can't go, and and by the way, obviously we're doing this on Friday, and if he can't go, and it sounds like he may not, uh, it's rare that a guy goes the next week. I I totally forgotten about that. Thank you for reminding me. You know that does. I don't. It doesn't decimate them but it'll be interesting to see because Josh Schwett can move inside as well. Um, it might mean more snaps for the rookie Nolan Smith.
2: Right. Yeah. And and I was wondering if Nolan Smith might play more just by virtue of the fact that Barnett's been released. I mean, I know that he usually backs up Reddick on the other side, but I'm kind of wondering now, does he rotate in more, you know, to relieve yeah. those guys in their rotation?
4: And and by the way, Sweat in their five-man front has throughout – these last couple of years, played meaningful snaps inside. So you could certainly see that, and you could see Smith getting, you know, maybe 20 snaps as uh, playing on the edge. Um, he's an explosive kid. He's not big, very thin-waisted, you know, um, the kind of waist we'd all like to have right now. But um, uh, but it, that kid is an explosive athlete. And I know that, you know, Jalen hasn't taken
2: off and run as much since the knee injury, although – right. He, he's not shy about extending plays when necessary. So what has been the general defensive approach from opponents in terms of keeping him corralled, so to speak, and not ripping off 80 yards rushing in a game,
4: for example, it's been, it's been multiple. Some teams will spy other teams will sort of, you know, have kind of a contained rush. Um, he almost always leaves the pocket to his right. Um, And yet, you know, you have to be aware of that. Um, Now, obviously, if the middle opens wide up, he'll just go forward, but he tends to leave the pocket to his right. Um, And don't forget, you know, the design run is a factor. Last week in the second half, they called a bunch of design runs for him. And last year, that was a major part of their offense. And that really dictates how you have to line up and play defensively. And another factor too, and we're looking at it right here, this this brotherly shove that's a big deal because the eagles are in many ways a four down offense um you know so if they get to fourth and 2 yards or less they're going for it. it's it's a given they are going for it so they are and they'll go for it anywhere on the field so it's not oh they're only going to go for it if they're across the 50 yard line they they're a four down offense to, depending on what that fourth down call is you know the the yards to go uh, or the line to gain, I guess everybody says now. Um, but so that's something to be aware of. You know, just you, you can you see how excited teams get when a team comes up short of a first down and it's fourth and one. Not with the Eagles, you can't get excited. They're going to go for, it, and you know what they make them right. And that's what are your what are your
0: thoughts about that? Because there's no question uh, the simultaneous get off time they have with their interior offensive line. I mean, it's all you know. It's like they're all the center. they all go on the center. It's a great jump they get on the snap count. yeah, uh, the submarine aspect of it and the and the surge that they can get from it. Has anybody come up with any sort of plan, even if it hasn't worked rather than just to push against it?
4: You know, it's funny, Steve. you know, I'm kind of a purist and you know I I know it's it's legal in the rules, so therefore take advantage of it but it's not my favorite play, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I am being I'm being kind. It's not my favorite play. So no, normally when I see it, I i don't study it. I just like, you know, watch it, and then I move on to the next play. But there's no question, because it's, it's legal and allowable, they're the best team in the league far and away executing that play, and it changes the whole approach to the game. I mean, I remember, it wasn't this past week, but I think the week before, they went for fourth and one. I think they were on like their own 28-yard line. You know, that's unheard of, but they, they'll they do that. It doesn't matter. That's just part of who they are, what they do, and they make it.
2: Yeah, that offensive line, though, they did have their share of problems with the Chiefs front. Steve Spagnolo kind of threw the kitchen sink at them. Hertz got yeah. taken down almost a half dozen times on sacks. He was pressured on a number of others. Not for nothing, but... The Bills are coming in here with the second most sacks in the league behind only Baltimore. I mean, they have a formidable front that they can throw at this Eagles front. I mean, if they can get them in some you know, third and medium, some third and longs, that's when Buffalo's defense really shines. I realize that is easier said than done. It's a formidable offense that the Eagles can put on the field. Um, I'm just kind of curious what you think of that matchup and what the Bills, at least their defensive front, can throw at yeah. this group.
4: Well, the the Eagles uh, O-line has had two games this year in which they struggled. The Jets, where they were actually handled, um, and they lost to the Jets. And then this past week, where they did struggle, you're right, Brownie. So th- this becomes the, the, the unit for the Bills that really has to perform at a high level. They've got to get around Hurts. I will tell you this about Jalen Hurts. He's a very good player. That's inarguable. But Jalen Hurts is... is has a tendency to leave the pocket prematurely. He will drop his eyes, and he will look to move. Now, he can make great plays when he does that. Uh, You know, just like Josh Allen can make great plays when he leaves the pocket. So, but you do want to get him in that mode. You want to get him moving, and then you have to account for the movement. Now, as I said, and believe me, they probably have five guys studying just Jalen Hurts on the Bills, you know, scouts, staff, the whole deal. Me, I'm one guy. So I can't, I don't know every nook and cranny here, every nuanced detail, but he predominantly moves right. You've got to be prepared for that. He will break down in the pocket prematurely. He will look to run. So, you know, you want to get him in that mode, but then you've got to handle it. So that's that's just the way it is.
2: Last thing I wanted to throw at you, knowing the secondary shorthanded for the bills in terms of numbers, uh, we've seen Rasul Douglas follow the number one receiver a little bit. Each of the last couple of weeks, he did it against Cortland Sutton on pass plays. He did it to a certain extent against Garrett Wilson last week. Logic is telling me we should expect him to follow AJ Brown around
4: a little bit. Uh, I guess that's possible. Those things are always hard to know. Brownie. Um, but you know he's their best corner so it's possible the Eagles do a really good job moving their receivers around you know Brown is obviously a a really good receiver and so is Devonta Smith Devonta Smith you know he hasn't put up the numbers and he doesn't have the, the the volume share that Brown has this year but he's a really good receiver as well so you know those two guys are tough to handle um I'm curious how Sean will want to handle that. You know, he may decide that playing zone is is the best way to go. We'll see. But uh, but uh, it's very possible with Douglas. You know, Douglas is, I think he's a good corner. He's never been, in my view, a great man corner. I think he's a great keer, cluer. You know, I think that's his strength. You know, I mean, the interception, and I know people say, well, it was Zach Wilson. But the interception he had last week where he fell off his, uh, his guy and kind of, uh, you know, it was his own concept. Not this one. It was the other. Didn't he have two last week? Yes, he he did. did. And a fumble recovery. a
0: fumble recovery. (laughs)
4: Yeah, the second one was the one I'm talking about where I think he was outside almost playing like a trap corner and he fell inside. Um, He's really good at that. Really good at that.
0: Yeah, Yeah, this is it right here, yeah. And you're right. Yeah, he fell off and just read, yeah, he reads the quarterback's eyes extremely well. He's got good size. Uh, There's no question. A.J. Brown and their crew, are really? I mean, they're the NFC champs for a reason, and it's it's not all because of the tush push.
4: Yeah, no, no, they're a really good team. I mean, you know, you got to remember. I mean, you know, it's they've won what? Like go regular I mean, even if you count the Super Bowl, they what have they won? Something like twenty seven of their last thirty or twenty eight. I mean, I don't. The yeah. number's ridiculous, right? And you know that happens for a reason. Right. Yeah,
2: they, they are consistent. There's no doubt about that. And I was telling Steve one of the bigger differences between allen and hurts is hurts is really good when that team is up by a score getting that game into the garage and and yep. notching the victory yep. he right. is really uh, really good at that
4: and and one final point when they've needed a drive okay and I, this is cliched but it's true i mean steve knows this you know from playing when they need a drive a touchdown drive in the second half of games They get, they get it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I mean, that's, they, they, they win games in the second half. I mean, they win. Yeah.
2: All right. Well, we're hoping for a close one and an entertaining one. Thanks, Greg. All right. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. All right. That's Greg Cosell senior producer from NFL films joining us as he does every Friday. Uh, yeah, I'm hoping for a tight game. So the bills have a chance to, to pull one out maybe with some late game heroics. Um, But, yeah, the the Eagles are a consistent team. They don't beat themselves much. It's rare when they do. So the Bills have to be at their best in all three phases and then hope they can force them into a couple of uncharacteristic mistakes to get maybe a couple of extra chances for their offense, take points off the board for for the Eagles' offense, and then you know maybe, just maybe, you come up with a win that nobody was expecting because they need one. (laughs) (laughs) they need it they Uh, need this game more than the Eagles do
0: yes they do no question and also it's interesting to think about what will happen to the narrative going into the bye coming off a win off the NFC champions I mean
2: oh if they pull it off yeah
0: what a huge boost it would be for morale for everything the whole national narrative about the Bills would change drastically Uh, this is a big game for this team much bigger than it is for Philly and uh it's, and it, it's also a yardstick. There's no question about it. Uh, I'd be, yeah, you got. You just got to acknowledge that. You just got to acknowledge it. No question about it. We
2: are getting the Bills Friday Injury Report as we speak. It has just been released, and here is your situation. Dane Jackson is out. Taylor Rapp is out. Everybody else on the injury report, good to go. So that means Micah Hyde will be up on Sunday. Taryn Johnson will be up on Sunday. Cam Lewis will be up on Sunday. There were some other players on the injury list as well, but they were expected to go, and that's Trent Shurfield, Dorian Williams, and obviously Josh Allen. All good to go. So your only players out for Sunday, Dane Jackson and Taylor Rapp, and that's not nothing, but it is huge that Taron Johnson is available for this game to play his familiar nickel corner spot. That is actually a gigantic uh, development here late in the week for the bills steve and i take a break here but when we come back we've got your collision course and tailgate friday what is on your menu i know it's a road game but we know people tailgate in their own driveways sometimes (laughs) on sunday game days for the bills let us know what's on your menu next here on one bills live presented by collider health it's buffalo bills radio All right, it is time for Collision Course, brought to you by Gabe's Collision, the official auto collision repair center of the Buffalo Bills. Get back in the game. We were talking to Greg Cosell in the last segment about the Bills' defensive line against the Eagles' O-line, but our Collision Course this week is Buffalo's O-line against the Eagles' defensive line. We heard uh, Greg talk to us about how they are loaded up front, not only in terms of pass rushers on the edge, But beef in the middle, Fletcher Cox and Jordan Davis, two gigantic humans. Do you want to know how big Jordan Davis is? They list him, and this is almost comical, they list Jordan Davis at 336. I'm just going to tell you right now, there is no way he is 336. No way. I mean, he is at least three and a half bills. He is a giant human being. His head
0: His head alone might weigh 50 pounds. (laughs) Well, even if they miss by 15 pounds, it's only 5%. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah.
2: So they've got, you know, they've got strong, sturdy interior players. They have quick, bend the edge type pass rushers. You heard Greg Cosell himself say Josh Sweat is probably their best pass rusher overall. Um, And he doesn't even lead the team in sacks. Hassan Reddick does with eight and a half. So they've got. They've got players on the front line, and then they've got other guys they can rotate to, through, similar to Buffalo's defensive line, which is pretty comparable. Right. But I really like the way Buffalo's offensive line has played the last couple of weeks. Uh, the run game has really gotten on track the last two weeks uh, with the performance of the guys up front winning the battle of the line of scrimmage, which we hear Coach McDermott talking about all the time. It is a stiff test this week, and it is on the road you know, so sometimes, you know, with silent count, yeah. you don't get off as
0: quick as you do when you don't have this, to resort to that. It, the way they played last weekend and the way the Chiefs have been playing, this is the most difficult game of the season for the Buffalo Bills. This the one old right line, here. Yeah. This one. Uh this is it. This is that the whole roster, the team, everything. Uh, they're playing the NFC defending champs. They're 8 and 1 on the season. Uh this it's all about it. This is a yardstick. This is going to be a very difficult game to win. They're a great roster. They got a young, athletic quarterback who's making all the plays. They've got this tush push secret weapon thing that they use that gives them an added advantage, even statistically and analytically.
2: Um, yeah, they're number one fourth, team, fourth yes. down team in football.
0: And you're in their joint. So this if you know this would be an enormous an enormous feather in the cap of the buffalo bills if they can go into philadelphia and beat this team
2: yes and i think how the offensive line performs against the eagles defensive front is going to go a long way in determining how buffalo is able to stay on the field extend drives and finish drives with touchdowns one area where the eagles have not been good defensively is defending their red zone they're a lower they're in the lower third of the league in keeping teams out of their end zone. You get down there inside the twenty you've got a pretty good chance of putting some points on the board with six instead of three and i think I think a lot of us feel the bills have to do that in this matchup if they're going to come out on top yeah both so these you would teams hope score. that is the case
0: they score uh the eagles score you got you' got to get on top of them if you can turn them over a couple of times and win that battle that's enormous as well but you know that's always a roll of the dice and kind of how the ball bounces but This is a team that is going to demand everything, um, especially over the course of 60 minutes. You're going to have to click on all cylinders all the time.
2: Right. Uh, Let's turn our attention to Tailgate Friday. We do this every Friday because we want to know what is on your menu uh, when you're watching the Bills game. Because home or away, we know people do the tailgate thing and cook up something special to eat while watching the game tailgate friday presented by highmark blue cross blue shield the official health plan of the buffalo bills and on our list this week rick says not to dwell but
0: yes the other one's david
2: david sorry i was on the wrong sheet here i was looking at the other one david says smash mouth football burgers they really just smash burgers with buffalo sauce and blue cheese mixed in, and then wings and fries with gallons of blue cheese dressing. I don't know if I could go gallons. I, um, I like blue cheese as much as the next person, but not.
0: <laughs> I don't overindulge. No, I love blue cheese dressing. I do. but Yeah, you yes. put it on your
2: salads all the time. Uh, yeah, I've seen That's all it. I eat.
0: Uh, yeah, I like that. With buffalo sauce and blue cheese mixed in, the ground beef for the smash burgers, nice. And then with the wings and fries as well. Fries are I don't, Fries are hard to do. When you just don't buy them, you know they're hard to do. You can't. Oven fries are like nothing; they're horrible. I don't like them. Yeah, you just get a frozen you gotta, bag. And you've got to deep them fry fries before they're. Fries. Oh, you don't like them baked? I no. That does not even count, and I don't like steak fries either. The, like the wedges. Oh no! Why not? They're not crispy, and they're like potato. You may as well just cut a baked potato. And yeah. <laughs> somebody back wow. Thank you. So you're only like, what, you. crinkle cut and shoestring?
2: Well, I'll take waffle fries. As long as they're cr- oh, crunchy. Oh, waffles are, yeah. You want to know why waffle them, fries are the ultimate cooked. fry? Why? Because you can dip them easy. Greatest surface area to acquire yeah. ketchup. Yeah. I'm with you. Because I'm a, I'm a ketchup nut. If you
0: can do fries
2: at home in a deep fryer. The air fryers do a pretty good job on Yeah, them. yeah
0: okay. They, yeah, they do. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I, I, okay. But they got to be crispy.
2: Yeah, I get it. I yeah, like it, mine crispy. Yeah, I don't... The I mean, worst is when you get fries from a fast food establishment and you can't eat them right away, and by the time you get to wherever you are, they're soggy. That's the worst. Yeah, it's the
0: worst. is the absolute worst. It's the worst. But if you can do those well without, you know, having to buy them, you can do them yourself well, that's, I, that's kudos to you. It's underrated. It is. Yeah. Very underrated. I would agree with you.
2: Let's go to the phones here on the OBL Fan Friday. And get to who's up here. We got Zach in North Tonawanda next. What do you got for us, Zach?
1: Hey,
3: so my big thing was when uh, I forgot his name from NFL uh, Films, was talking about Josh Allen being like Superman. I mean, when did we come up with that name for him? A couple years ago, right, maybe a season ago. And he used to what? Run the ball, a good amount. I mean, he was making plays. He was hurdling defenders. He was trucking. He was... Not afraid to take off. And that's, I mean, no team wants that with their starting QB. Yes. But look at Josh Dobbs right now. And I think we need to do that again more. Just a little bit. I mean, in the last three weeks against Denver, Jets, and uh, Bengals, he ran the ball four times against Denver, eight times against Bengals, and five against the Jets. So, it's not a lot, but when you got Jalen Hurts running 12 times, Josh Dobbs running 10, even Russell Wilson ran the ball nine times. And defenses used to be afraid of us with running and passing. Yeah. And Gabe Davis isn't... I love Gabe Davis, but last week, what did he have? Nothing. And they know they have to cover Diggs with two. So then they're leaving it up with Shakir or Kincaid. I don't know when Knox is coming back, but they know that we don't have a lot of offensive weapons, and we just fired our offensive coordinator. And we're looking like a weak team. And if we're standing in the pocket, our O-line is a good O-line. But how much can they hold up from a good Defense like Philly, like you said. Yeah. The dude's a beast. Yeah, I get it. Those are all
2: good points, Zach, and I, I respect him. I don't mind if you got some design runs for Josh. I really don't. Um I think he finished with ten total carries last week and I think the stats bear out when he has ten carries or more, the Bills are something like nineteen and one.
0: Um when he has yeah, ten carries had, or more. He had five carries last week. Oh, okay. I thought he had more than that. He had five carries. Um here's the thing too, with Jalen Hurts, the tush push counts as a rushing attempt. Yeah. Um, so if he has four of those in the game, that kind of boosts his, his average. I don't think and Greg, Greg Cosell's the guy you couldn't remember from NFL films. Greg's told us, you know, they're calling, they've got some cold runs for Jalen Hurts as well. Although he's had a knee injury in the past month that have kind of changed their numbers a little bit. Um, and rightfully so, uh, he may getting, be getting better and they may start doing that again. But, uh, i'm okay with josh running it he did a nice job of it i like when he runs out of the pocket when things are covered and he just you know he just converts a third down with his legs and then slides nobody has a problem with josh running and never taking a hit everybody has a problem with josh taking any kind of hit whether he's in the pocket or running the football so that's where the you know that's the the line you got to draw uh if you need it to win a game do it but the 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 holy grail is to have him never take a shot and still be able to win the game from the pocket or just sliding down and converting a third down on a scramble. I'm with you, though. You get deep into the playoffs or get into the Super Bowl, that kind of thing, yeah. Give him 10 cold runs. Let's go. Yeah, do whatever you got to do. Do what you got to do. Let's win the game. Uh, but you got to get there, right. and you need him healthy to do it.
2: Back to the phones into Jack and Kenmore. What do you got, Jack?
3: Good afternoon, gentlemen. It's good talking to you. This is what in my opinion, I, I think Philadelphia will be a little bit flat in this game because coming off that big game against, uh, the Chiefs. Okay. That's just my opinion. Okay. And the other thing is here that, that play they run, we used to run a little league high school. Okay. We used to call it wedge. We had a wedge one and a wedge two. He, he used to coach high school, Sirianni. So that's why I think he came up with this thing. He calls it the tush-push. Go Bills. Let's beat the Philadelphia Eagles this week. Thank you.
2: Thanks, Jack. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. Uh, It was certainly an emotional victory for them last Monday night against the Chiefs because it was the team they lost the Super Bowl to last year. They wanted to beat the Chiefs. It was evident. That it meant something to them, and sometimes it's only human nature to have a letdown the following week, where you're playing against a team where there isn't any of that stuff packed into the game.
0: Personally, Jack, I hope you're right.
2: <laughs>
3: I hope
0: yeah, they do
2: come out maybe.
0: flat. Maybe don't can't, you can't count on that.
2: No, you can't count on it, but I'll take it, it if they want help, to do it. But
0: yeah, you can't count on that. You can't tell me those guys are going to come out there not mentally ready to play. They've been in the Super Bowl and they're eight and one, and they're going to be nine and one. Nine and one, and they're going to come out of there. You know, you got to think they're going to come out of there with blowing smoke out their nose. So, you know, that's that's fine. Um, and you're right that the wedge, the tush push, everybody's calling it. Uh, there's a lot of smart guys on the other side of the ball as well. My thought in defending the tush push would be particularly on a fourth and two where they're going to try and go for a little longer. I would have, you know, obviously you line up your big bodies if you can up inside. And I think you try and get that momentum going sideways. You, you come off the ball and push them off to the side so that, you know, they'll come off and you just hit them broadside, hit them broadside and try and get them going sideways rather than straight forward. Uh, that's the key, I think, to getting it stopped on a you know, a little longer push, uh, if you can get them going sideways, um, maybe that would work. But it's it's a really effective yeah. play, and, uh, and they get it done.
2: Break time for us. Steve and I close things up for the week next here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. Vision to victory presented by Adwall Eye Care, the official eye care provider of the Buffalo Bills. I think it's a game that's got to be won at the line of scrimmage here. We hear Sean McDermott talk about it all the time, but knowing that the offensive and defensive line of the Eagles are probably top three on both sides of the ball, mm-hmm. you got to win there. And you don't even have to win all of them, but if you can at least have it be a stalemate, or maybe yeah. win five more snaps than they do. It could be the difference in the game. You really got to bring it this week and win right. at the line of scrimmage. Otherwise, you're not beating this team.
0: No, and I think josh got to make some plays with his arm and his legs. Um, he's going to have to do some, some of those Joshy things uh, to win this game. This is a, it's a really good roster. Josh-y he's got to do those Joshy things. <laughs> he's gotta, he's gotta, um, this is a really good roster in Philly, and they're going to be at home. Um, they're riding high. They're nine and one on the season, uh, uh, and for good reason. So you've got to you got to be on it. Uh, no question. This is a good. This is a team. The Bills. The Bills could win if the Bills play their best. They will win. But if the Eagles can get them off their game in any way, shape, or form, that's how close it should be. It could be so. And give them some credit. They got to
2: keep the thing within striking distance and then hopefully make some special happen down the stretch. That's it for Steve and I today. Have a great Thanksgiving weekend, everybody. We'll be back on Monday to talk about this Bills-Eagle game. We'll see you at noon.